15 seconds left, ready to go. The snap, Winston looking, looking, looking. Fade route, far sideline. It is caught ball and touchdown, Tampa Bay. Touchdown, Chris Godwin. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Bucks lead. Fire them cannons. Bucks take the lead late with nine seconds left. Wow. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to a brand new year of the Cannon Fire podcast here on YouTube and iTunes. We are so happy to get things started here for the year 2018. 2017 was kick-ass. Let's make it that much better here this coming year. It is the off-season. It is a sad time of year as we pick things up here on a brand new episode. But we got a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot has happened. A lot of things that we didn't think were going to happen happened. And just a lot of good stuff to talk about. But I am your host, Rhett, as always, joined by me, my buddy, my friend, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. How are you doing today, Evan? I'm doing just fine. How are you, my sir? I am doing good, man. I am ready to talk about everything that's transpired and everything that we hope to transpire. Again, this is more of an off-season edition, the first episode that we're really going to break down and talk about the off-season. So much to talk about. And again, just a lot of stuff that you can't predict happening, like a Bills playoff run. But, you know, that was dead and gone a couple of days ago. Came came and left faster than I can even remember any other playoff run happening. But in the midst of the playoffs, the Super Bowl is shaping up. The conference championships are definitely shaping up. I believe we're down, down to eight teams now, right? Eight teams on the bracket? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, two NFC South teams are still alive: the Atlanta Falcons and New Orleans Saints. So, uh, oh, I felt plus, so you know, good to see Carolina for all the Jameis haters. Out. For all the Jameis haters, Marcus Mariota is still out there. So, yeah, but oh god, I've already talked about that enough this week. But did, were you able to watch that Kansas City Tennessee game? Like, did you catch uh, any glimpses? I, I watched seventy-five percent of it, or so. I watched a good amount. I, I got to say, you know, I'm never going to break down and say that Mariota's better than Winston. Never in a million years. But I, that touchdown pass to himself is pretty nice. Probably not going to see that again. <laughs> and uh, I actually found out, um, I think it was on Instagram, U Stadium had posted it. Uh, the only other quarterback to throw a touchdown pass to himself is, um, of all people, Brad, Brad Johnson. Yep. Yeah, back in 1998 when he played for the Vikings. It wasn't a playoff game, but it was a regular season game. I forgot who they were playing, but definitely a pretty cool highlight to see because, you know, in the Brad Johnson version, you see him drop back, takes his three-step drop, and just tries to throw a dart over the middle, gets deflected, and he stands there. And when he catches the ball, it it, it almost looks like everybody on the field is like, all right, well, the play's over because I don't think anyone actually turned around and saw him catch the ball. I think everyone just saw the deflection, but a pretty cool play nonetheless. And if you guys didn't get the chance to see it live, definitely something you're not going to be able to see for a long time. But we're not here to talk about Marcus Mariota and the Titans. We're here to talk about the Bucks. It is the offseason. Lots to talk about here, man. And the first first order of news is we welcome you back to the program. As we already know, Dirk Cutter not going to be going anywhere. The deal has been made with John Gruden over in Oakland, so he's there for the next 10 years or whenever he gets fired. Not to say that I hope he does, but really wish he would have landed here, man. Oh. I really do. I have uh, I have some buddies of mine that are Raiders fans, and I just every time they post about it, I get a little sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, the Bucks were talking to Gruden. They were talking to Gruden first before the Raiders were, and uh, Gruden just 
I mean, it seemed like everything was going okay. Uh, the the problem was, I believe, uh, the years. I believe that Gruden wanted a around a 10-year contract, and um, I think the Glazers wanted to give him about a five-year contract. I think Gruden wanted more of a commitment, and the, the Glazer family just wasn't willing to match that. And then Mark Davis came in with uh, the $10 million full uh, front office control and 10 years. So He also showed up um, with the same haircut, so he was trying to trying to impress him with that too. I think that's that's probably the worst haircut I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know what he's thinking. I like really. He's thinking Gruden. I, I, yeah, I guess he must be. Th- I mean, apparently he's been thinking Gruden for the past six years. Um, he pretty much admitted that during his press conference. Um, every year, no matter how the Raiders did, uh, Mark Davis, the Raiders owner, um, son of uh, late owner Al Davis. Um, he, he he tried to get John Gruden every year, um, and now eventually just got it because you know Gruden. We all knew Gruden was going to come back into coaching. We didn't know where. Um, it was very likely that it was Tampa Bay, but we knew he was coming back into coaching. That it either this year or next year, it was, it was going to happen. Um, and, and you know maybe even if uh, you know I, I think it Cutter got. I hate to say it, but Cutter got lucky. Uh, because if this is Cutter's third year or so, or, you know, if Gruden doesn't, I mean, let's say Gruden, let's say he doesn't sign the, to, with the Raiders this year and he stays in the booth, and let's say Cutter goes 6-10 and 10 next year and gets fired, I think the Glazers would become desperate enough to give Gruden whatever he wanted. It's just not this year. Coming off a 9-7 and seven season, it's a bit different now. If it was next season and the Bucks went six and ten, and Dark Cutter was coming off a five and eleven season, that'd be back to back losing seasons, and maybe the Glazer family gets a bit desperate. But you know, that's in the past. We're not going to talk too much about that. You know, he's the Oakland Raiders head coach. We're gonna, I, you know, I would like to see him. You know, I'd like to see him win, but I don't want to see him win the Super Bowl. It's because that would mean that the the Raiders got one over on the Bucks. Um, that's his you know, team now. Recently, he goes yeah. over there and I wins mean, a ring. That's his team. Yeah, I mean, and it would just be painful for every Bucks fan, if, especially if the Bucks didn't even make the playoffs that year, or they're picking top five again, or something like that. Well, uh, I, I got to say really quick, you know, talking about Gruden trying to pick up where he left off in Oakland. Obviously, a Super Bowl appearance—not a Super Bowl appearance—but he did get to the championship game, correct? Yeah, yeah, appearance. that was a, that was a, that was a Tuck Rule game. That was yep. the, last, the, the last game of his Raiders coaching career was the Tuck Rule game. Lovely. That was a fumble, by the way. That that was all was all a fumble. But you know, I, I gotta say, him trying to come in and pick up where he left off. I don't think it's gonna happen. Are the Raiders gonna win next year? Oh yeah, they're gonna win. There's gonna be so much winning. You're gonna be tired of winning. But. Super Bowl, I, I don't know, man. I really don't nah, know. I think Gruden's going to need to come yeah. in here and get adjusted. Yeah, I, I think he's going to have to come in and, uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, he's going to accept the challenge, of course. You know, he's always he's going to walk in and like, all right, yeah, come on, man. I'll tell you what, man. This guy right here, <laughs> I, th- I think this guy, this guy, Derek Carr, he can win some football games for Full, us. Football games, man. <laughs> um, you know, and he, he's going to come in with that same energy every day. You know, I mean, I don't think – He's not his approach to the game might change, but his energy level will not. Um, you know, I, I I don't think you can tell that that's that's still in him. Um, and you know, who knows the the you know if those Raiders go 
you know, seven and nine, and then next year go the next year go six and ten, then go five and eleven, and Gruden's fired. The Glazers look like freaking geniuses. Yeah, um, yeah. Secure I mean, their job for unless, another 10, 15 un, un, years. Yeah, unless unless you know the Bucks go like even worse than the Raiders, then I, I think it'd be you know <laughs> neutral. But um, yeah, I mean, he's still gonna come in with that with that same intensity. They're gonna win. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and you know, uh, they asked me. I said, you know, how long do you think Gruden's got? I said, I I don't think he's gonna last that whole ten year contract, but I think he's got three years starting this year. I think he's got three years where he can win a Super Bowl. Um, then after, I think he's gonna last about six years out of that ten year contract without so I think the Super Raiders, Bowl or with the Super Bowl. Because you know, that's the, that's the not stinger. not this year. Not this year. Oh yeah, of course um, not. I don't. I don't think that. I think they're going to make. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, I think they're going to win probably at least ten games and make the playoffs. But uh, not not the Super Bowl. I could see them maybe win a playoff game, but not not the Super Bowl. Not this year. I'm talking about possibly two years, three years, and then after that, I think the decline is going to start to happen because after three, four years. Some of them players are going to be getting in their 30s now. And once they get in their 30s, I mean, Gruden is a coach and stuff, but he's not a good talent evaluator. He can't develop young talent, and, and that's his problem. So, I mean, he's got a young team right now that needs some developing, not much. Derek Carr is a good, good quarterback. Khalil Mack's Khalil Mack. Um, then you got some more talent, Amari Cooper and stuff. But, I mean – I think it's going to be after that third year, it's going to be a good year, but then it's just going to be a bunch of mediocre years and then he'll eventually be fired. So, but who knows, you know, we'll see, we'll visit this five years, 10, you know, five, six years down the line and we'll see who, who got, if the Glaciers made the right decision by holding off because they had the chance, they had the chance to hire John Gruden and just, just didn't do it, but you know, whatever, you know, like I said, he's in Oakland now. We cover the books. It's yeah. time to move on. That's the thing. I'm sure people are sick and tired of us talking about Gruden. I'm pretty sure every past four or five episodes, we've at least said the word Gruden uh, <laughs> ten times. Well, I mean, you know, I, the, the rumors were so hot um, around Christmas Eve or so. Um, it, it was hard, and especially with the Ring of Honor thing, it was hard not to mention him. Definitely. Um, it was, you know, you couldn't you couldn't listen to a Bucks podcast or read a Bucks article um, if it wasn't about Gruden. Um, and, you know, it comes up every year, but this year it was real, and we kept telling everybody it was real, and it was real. Because not as real Gruden, as we would have hoped. Yeah, well, Gruden's not coaching the Bucks, but he is coaching, so the groomers this year were real. And I got to say, last thing we'll say about Gruden, I got to say, he's in Oakland, so this is the last thing we're going to say on record about John Gruden here on the Can of Fire podcast, but... The, thing, the, the final nail in the coffin for me, the thing that just killed me, I got on Instagram this morning and I was scrolling down, not even the Cannon oh, Fire Instagram page, I was scrolling down my personal Instagram page. Did, didn't, you, didn't you post it on the I, I ended page? up posting it, but yeah, it was a Corona ad. Sad. You guys know how you know Gruden has kind of been the guy for Corona. Corona and Hooters, I don't know what it is, but those two things, he is just, he is about it, but... He's been the guy for he Corona for the beer, past man. couple of years, and I, I saw this thing. It was an empty chair right there with a little Gruden bobblehead and a bottle of Corona, and it said, congratulations on finally finding your beach, Coach. Oh, and it killed me. Yeah, I, killed I saw me. that. I saw that when the when when, when you shared it, and uh, oh, oh, man. Yeah, that hurt. That hurt. 
But um, yeah, congratulations on finding your new beach, Coach. Congratulations to John Gruden. Hope he does big things in Oakland. We were not going to talk about him here anymore. Let's talk about Dirk Cutter, the coach that we do have now. And let's talk about the situation that we are in now. Because as fans, the only thing we can do is accept it. Uh, I've been saying that on all the Facebook pages. And I've, I've even said it to some people who listen to the show. You know, bitching about it isn't going to get us anywhere. Uh, you know, it, it might blow off some steam for yourself. But... The, the only thing we can do is trust the process. The Glazers made a decision for the reason. Dirk Cutter is our coach. So let's break this down. The pros and the cons of Dirk Cutter staying. Now, the biggest pro and um, one that everyone seems to notice, uh, saved a lot of money. Saved a lot of money and a lot of money that we can probably use to make some moves in free agency. I'm not talking Le'Veon Bell moves, but maybe some big moves in free agency that I wasn't expecting to make before. But... What are some other pros of, of Dirk Cutter staying, man? Well, you know, I think you got to look at, first off, you got to look at the continuity, um, something that this team has not had. And, uh, you know, they, they fired, after they fired John Gruden, they uh, let Raheem Morris have his three years, which was, that was the longest, actually, but Raheem Morris went 4-12, and 10-6, and 4-12 and again. And, or I believe maybe 3-13 and 13 that first year, um, 2009. Um, and then was fired, so he lasted three years. They brought in Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano went seven and nine, then four and twelve. He was fired after two years. Brought in Lovey Smith. He was fired after two years. And now a lot of fans and a lot of media members thought um, that Dirk was going to have the same fate. And um, you know, apparently, you know, Dirk um, Winston said his press conference that Dirk said basically after that Carolina loss on Christmas Eve, Dirk in the locker room in Carolina said, hey, guys, you played great. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you guys played great. It, you know, no matter who's coaching you guys next year, um, if you play like that, you're going to win the game. That doesn't sound like a guy who's confident he's going to keep his job. Um, if, if, you're, if you're saying no, it doesn't matter who's coaching you guys next year, whether it's me or somebody else, I think, yeah, he thought, I think, and, you know, you can't tell me that the Bucks players aren't reading them rumors. You know, you can't tell me Cutter isn't reading them rumors. He might have thought Gruden, he might have thought, man, I'm going to get fired and Gruden's going to freaking come back. Um, and, you know, it turned out not to be the case. But, I mean, continuity is something this team hasn't had. Like I said, in the past three, four uh, head coach hires, they just haven't had it. And, it's uh, it's something important because you look at all the good teams in the league. Uh, they keep hold on their coaches, and uh, we'll see what happens here. This is a make-or-break year for Cutter. Uh, and a, so, go a, ahead. Another good thing to look at, um, you, you know, and really think about with Cutter, he reads the headlines like you had said before that pre or that um, that speech against Carolina. You know, he was on the hype train with Gruden. He he thought his job was legitimately in jeopardy. You know, they read the headlines. They know what people are talking about. They know what fans are talking about. Gerald McCoy knows all too well. As you saw, we pissed him off again uh, a couple of days ago asking for Super Bowls, but that might be too much to ask for this time of year. But they know what's going on. They know what people are saying. And this gives them a chance to look back at the year and look what they did wrong. Not to say they're going to do that, but Dirk Cutter probably realizes that maybe, maybe... He shouldn't have as much of a grip on play calling. And I know they did come out and say, you know, he's not going to give up play calling completely. 
But at this point, he probably knows what he has to fix heading into next season because I guarantee you he wants to win. You know, he has oh, yeah. he has his moments at press conferences every once in a while. He gets frustrated just like everyone else, but he doesn't not listen and he doesn't not care. And that's a good vibe to get from a coach that you're going to have from another year, even if you didn't want him. He wants to win. The guys on the team want to win, and they want to build this identity. And I think giving him another year is definitely going to be good because, like we've talked about before, I like Cutter. I I still believe he's going to do some good with this football team. You know, best best thing we can do now is just buckle up. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, he, he does care. Um, he's the best football coach uh, out of the past four coaches since Gruden. You know, Raheem Morris, Greg Ciano, Lovey Smith, Dark Cutter. He's the best one of them, and he's the most dedicated one. I mean, he, he lives and breathes football. and um, He's a football he, guy. Yeah, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. Um, he just, uh, he, he loves he loves the game of football. He's going to, he wants to do whatever it takes to win. Um now, he he believes that in his mind, what it takes to win is, you know, for him to keep play calling and for him to keep, you know, his buddy Mike Smith. And I mean, it's tough. Everybody wanted them to cut Mike Smith, fire Mike Smith. Well, let me ask you something. You know, if you were on a, let's say, if you were on a college staff or whatever, and you know, you were making a lot of money, the team was struggling, and you're the offensive coordinator or any coach for that matter is your best friend and that position let's say it's special teams special teams your special teams your kicker missed 10 field goals this year and you gave up 17 return touchdowns i'm, I'm sorry but it, it is going to be tough to just look your best friend in the eye and tell him he doesn't have a job anymore yeah um you're you're cutting off his pay uh, when you you've met his, if he's your best friend of that long, you've well, met I'm sure his. These fa- guys, you, I'm sure these guys hang out every weekend and have some beers and watch film or something. You know, they yeah, that good yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, if if you're that good of friends with somebody for that long, you've met their family, um, you know their family well, and you're gonna knowing their family, their kids, their wife, their house, their whole situation. You're gonna look them straight in the eye and tell them, hey, you're you're gone. Um, and that, that's tough. And I didn't really if, – if Cutter stayed, I wanted Mike Smith fired, but I didn't think it was going to happen if Cutter stayed. Uh, obviously, if – you know, I do think, though, John Gruden would, would put it – I know we said we weren't going to mention him, but I do think that John Gruden probably put a similar staff together uh, like he's doing in Oakland in Tampa now. Um, and that, by the way, that's an all-star staff. That's really yeah. good staff. Yeah, he has definitely put um, together one of the one of the best cabinets I've seen. Yeah, um, you know, how about Cleveland? I just wanted to say that real quick. Props to Cleveland. Um, their, their, their front office has now become a top five front office in the NFL. Uh, they, and the Kirk they've got, runners? I mean, I know we still got a couple of weeks left to figure all that out, but yeah, they pick I mean, up Kirk I'll, Cousins, honestly, I think he could produce. I'll explain later why I think that could potentially screw the Bucks if the Browns pick up Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'll explain that in a few weeks, though. Um it's just draft wise, what okay. the Browns would be looking, it, okay. what the Browns would be looking at in the draft. Oh, I see where you're going. Change, change that could really hurt the Bucks. Um, anyways, um, yeah, but it's tough to fire your best friend. It just is. So that's that wasn't going to happen. Um, you know, I guess continuity. Hopefully, continuity with the defense is good. Um, I don't like the idea of going into the 2018 season with no staff changes after a 5-11 and season. 
I mean, you took a step back. That's not a good look. You know, there's there, I, there's not going to be – I'm going to say it right now. The opener in 2018, unless this team, you know, goes bonkers in free agency and in the draft, the opener in 2018 is not – there's not going to be a lot of filled seats in, in Ray J. Um, there's yeah. going to be a lot of empty seats. Uh, like I said, unless the team, you know, signs Le'Veon Bell. Gives people trade, a reason to get excited. Yes, yeah, so signs, signs Le'Veon Bell, trades for, you know, trades for, like, Khalil Mack or something, and, you know, then drafts well. That's, you know, it would have to be a star-studded team for them to, um, for them to get hyped. And the only way that fans are going to come is if they win. And you know, looking at past experience, though, setting up a situation like that over the offseason, I have faith that Jason Light can can do some good things this offseason. We've seen it done before. He's pretty good at scouting talent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only knock I do, I love Light. I, you, you, you're not really going to find uh, a bigger Light supporter than myself. Uh, I think he's one of the best GMs besides Rich McKay. I think he's one of the best GMs that the Bucks have ever had. I think he's probably second on that list. Um. And, you know, his problem is sometimes he he tries to squeeze players. And what I mean by that is an example is in 2015. Vincent Jackson had a solid year, okay? So Mike Evans had a decent year. That was probably his worst year, 2015. He had a lot of drops that year. But it was James Winston, rookie quarterback. You know, Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, and then they had guys like Lewis Murphy, who was okay, Adam Humphreys, who was the undrafted rookie. Nobody really knew about him. Um, and then, you know, you had Austin Safran Jenkins, who was okay, Cameron Braith, the undrafted rookie. Nobody really knew about Vincent Jackson was getting up there in age. Um, Lewis Murphy wasn't, you know, he wasn't anything special, and he was getting up there in age. Adam Humphreys wasn't really as polished or a receiver as he is now. Mike Evans was nowhere near the receiver he, he is now. And Jackson had a good year. Vincent Jackson had a good year in 2015. So what does Light do? Instead of trying to pick up a, a receiver, even a slot receiver in the 2015, I mean 2016 offseason, he picks up Brent Grimes and Robert Ayers, which is fine. But what turns out to be is, guess what? The 34-year-old Vincent Jackson can't stay healthy now because he's too old. And you don't have a glorified number two wide receiver. So now there's no weapons at all. See what I'm saying? Light tries to squeeze. He tried to squeeze one more year out of Vincent Jackson, see if he could get by. Now, then the next offseason, he had Deshaun Jackson, added Chris Godwin, added O.J. Howard. That's why I sort of have faith. The next right. example I'm going to bring to you here is right now. What Jason Light tried to do is he looked at the defensive line and said, well, if I had some help next to McCoy with Chris Baker, I might be able to, we might be able to form a, a decent line here. He tried to squeeze one more year out of Robert Ayers, who was 32 and already injury prone. He already missed games last year. He, tries to, he tried to squeeze another year out of Robert Ayers, and it didn't work yet again. So he needs to figure out um, – you know, Brent Grimes was different. The the whole corner, the quarterback situation is so much different. Because Brent Grimes was so much better than Robert Ayers this this year and last year. So that's not to me. That's not squeezing out of somebody because Brent Grimes has always been better than Robert Ayers. Still is definitely a, a questionable situation, though. Is you know the rumors have been flying around and nothing's confirmed yet. 
But Brent Grimes has a wife who can so easily fly off the handle and pretty much tell you everything that went on in a staff beating involving her husband and the team that he's playing for. You kind of you kind of wonder, and you know the pieces come together and build into that same situation you were just talking about about how he does squeeze players. Because if Brent has every intention to retire, this could get ugly. Yeah, well. What I think, what I think is good. This is no knowledge of any source or any anybody inside one book. I think Brent Grimes is going to come back. Um, I think he's going to come back for one more season with the, with the Bucks, um, because I mean, me go just flat out. She said it on. Um, she said it on Snapchat. Um, she always. She said, you know, Brent has always been more of a, a team guy. I'm all about the money. Oh yeah. And you know, really. It's not, good for her. I wish I had yeah, a man that, calling yeah, that, that's football. Yeah, that's not – I don't mind that because she doesn't play. So why why should she worry about the team he goes to as long as he's getting paid? Um, you know, he cares more, obviously, about the team he plays for because he's not – she's not the one taking the losses, taking the wins, taking the hits, you know, taking the hits and losing versus taking the hits and winning, handling the injuries and losing – She's not the one doing that, so of course she'll care more about the money. And I think Frank Grimes will be paid um, probably like one year, seven million dollars. Right now he's making an annual of eight, um, so I think one year, probably seven mil. I think will come back and uh, be here with Tampa Bay for one more year and then retire. Um, hopefully, Frank Grimes can at least play decent enough. Hopefully, Vern Hargraves develops some more. But I think Light definitely needs to address the defensive line and secondary. Um, Safeties, eh, maybe, um, because I don't think safeties are as big of a need as they were last year because of Justin Evans. Um, I'm not saying he's a superstar, but I think he's probably the best safety on the roster. I know it's not saying much, but um, I think the cornerbacks need to be – he needs to address corner, and I mean, I literally think he needs a sign and draft combined probably three or four defensive ends. And then add probably one or two defensive tackles. Um, because, you know, they're going to subtract guys. Robert Ayers won't be back. Uh, Chris Baker won't be back. Clint McDonald, I hope Clint McDonald's brought back. So we'll see. But that's my theory of how Jason Light tries to squeeze players. I know I was rambling on about that. Sorry, guys. Hope you're still with us. Um, <laughs> unless my voice unless my voice is just way too annoying. Then you turn it off. And I get that. But, um, you know... It, it's important. I think the light needs to realize that, or the Bucks are not only going to be looking for a new head coach next year, they're also going to be looking for a new general manager. You know what? A thousand downloads says otherwise. So uh, thank you to everyone sticking around and listening with us. I appreciate it a lot, man. We definitely are doing doing some damage on iTunes and YouTube as we also hit 100 subscribers. But back to what we were talking about before, the pros and cons of cutters. We talked about the pros of Cutter staying. We haven't really jumped into the cons. And one of the biggest cons to talk about uh, right before we move on to a, a new subject, but one of the biggest cons with Cutter staying is going to be the players and the guys that he does have on his team. Because, you know, we kind of got the hint that towards the end of the season, towards the end of that losing streak that lasted for damn near forever. It was pretty much believed that these guys had lost faith in Cutter as a coach. And as a coach, losing your players is one of the worst things that can happen to you. Look at Pete Carroll. 
missed the playoffs this year. A lot of people coming out of the woodwork and saying these guys don't believe in him anymore, and he's lost that locker room in Seattle. And Carroll was a great coach. So if you're a coach that can't come in here and produce, it's hard to have guys who are going to have faith in you the next season, especially if they've already lost it in a season that you've been trying to make it work. Obviously, two years ago was a 9-7 and finish. Last year finished 5-11, uh, and which wasn't the best finish in the world. But it's nothing that's going to hype your guys up for the next season. And, wow. you, you know, that's that, that's just, I don't know, it's just something you got to be careful of. Something that freaks yeah. me out a little bit. I mean, yeah, but that's, you know, that's also on Jason Light. You got to get good locker room guys. Um, you got to get guys that uh, that are going to believe. And um, I think right now he's got a handful of them. I think he's got, he's got Levine. I think he's got Gerald McCoy. I think um, he's got Jameis Winston. He's got Quan Alexander. He's got Mike Evans. Um, the players he don't have, he doesn't have TJ Ward. Um, he doesn't have Chris Baker. That's for sure he doesn't have Chris Baker. Um, he has Clint McDonald. Clint McDonald is one of the most like, – he's one of the guys on the Bucks that I respect so much. Um, I mean, you hate, you know, it's going to sound corny, but he is such a good person. Um, he, he's a great leader, great football player, and I, I hope he sticks around and retires in Tampa. He's the kind of player that I think the Bucks should be looking for. For Who's a bargain free agent guy? He wasn't a big name, but they signed him to a four-year deal. I believe he's making – Four mil a year. I believe they signed him to a four-year, like sixteen million dollar, or maybe even three. Busy. Maybe it's four years, twelve million. One of those. But they should look for more free agents like that because he's produced uh, big time. Oh yeah. And then the rookies: OJ Howard, Justin Evans, Chris Godwin, all those guys. You know, Adam Humphreys, Cameron Brace. Those guys are gonna believe. Um, so. You know, it, it is it is concerning because I'm sure he has lost some players in the locker room. It's not just T.J. Ward, Chris Baker. I mean, he's probably lost a couple more that we just don't know about. And it happens with losing; it's going to happen. So the only way he can win these players back over is if they win. I'm just win, winning cures everything. You know, if, if the Buccaneers if the Buccaneers win, we're not talking about what they're going to do in the offseason or why their cutter is still the head coach. We're talking about how they're going to play this, you know, tomorrow or on Sunday when they play the Atlanta Falcons or something, you know, that, in, the, in the divisional round. That's what we're talking about now if the Buccaneers have more wins. And we're mo- all much in better moods and it's probably be a more light and, you know, less talkative and less, you know, possibility, less, less ideas turn around podcasts, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. um, these are, you know, thousands, probably not thousands, but there are probably 10 to 15 different ways uh, everybody has their opinion of, of how to, to fix this, and everybody thinks that their way is right. And, you know, I have my way. You probably have your way. Both our ways are probably different. I mean, they're similar maybe, but, I mean, I'm sure they differ in some ways. They're not going to be the exact same thing. Um, we have all of our own vision. Jason Light has his own vision. Dirk Cutter has his own vision. So, um, it's up to them, but uh, the one last con that I wanted to bring up actually was uh, before we move on to, um, I just want to say a, a free agent post that I made, and then we can wrap it up uh, because a free agency post I made can tie into a bit of a free agency thing. Um, you know, play calling, just like you said, he didn't hand it off to Todd Munkin really, and. You know, the play calling was not good. Play calling and clock management has not been good, and that's something that's 
played Cutter. Um, it's been losing his football games. Oh yeah, I mean, the, especially the red zone play calling. If the Buccaneers are best, if if the Buccaneers are better in the red zone, I, they're probably if they're better in the red zone, they probably win nine games. They probably go nine and seven again this year. But they're just so bad in the red zone. They settle for field goals more than they do touchdowns. And the difference between seven and three is big when you're when the Buccaneers were three and seven in games that were in one score. And, yeah, Buccaneers and, lost seven games by le- by less than seven points. And somebody else had actually posted um, on one of the Bucks Facebook pages. I think it was Buck Nations. It was a picture, and it was the record um, of all the games that we had lost by less than one or one score or less. And it was, oh, oh God, what was it? I think it was nine games altogether. Was it? I don't know. I'm pretty but sure it was, it was three and seven. Three and seven, right. But it was every game that we lost one score or less. And if you look at that and turn it around, we would have been 12 and four on the year if we had won all those games. But looking at that list of games that we lost by less than a score, half of those games can be attributed to poor clock management. And that's that's just what it comes down to, like you had brought up with the clock management and the play calling. I just I wanted to throw that out there because I don't think a lot of people are taking a look at this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and even in the Giants game, I remember it, it happened a couple times. The Buccaneers were in the red zone had to sell for three. Um, obviously, that, that wasn't magnified as much as the Buccaneers won that game. But it's just something to keep in mind. You know, they, they settled for three. The clock management was bad. So that's definitely a con to cutter. Um, you know, other than that, continuity's good. Play calling's got to be better. It's pretty much it, you know. I mean, Cutter's a Cutter's a, a basic head coach. I mean, there's not there's not much to him. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches have play calling problems. A lot of coaches have clock management problems. You just got to hope that you, you know, with experience, he learns and uh, gets better at it. You know, it's it's tough, but but let's get excited, guys. Big things are going to be coming, uh, whether good or bad. You know, we'll see how it plays out. Good off season last year. Let's hope for a better one this year. Let's kick ass next year and be the badass football team that Dirk Cutter had said we were at the beginning of the year. Let's let's hold true to that. But one last thing we'll talk about regarding free agency and things like that, and then we will jump into our Buck of the Year segment, which only happens once a year. But Chris Richardson, a name I wanted to throw out there, uh, and a name that we've talked about before the show, you know, obviously – Signs are pointing to Mike Smith not exactly going anywhere. Not a whole lot of changes on Dirk Cutter's staff going to be happening. You know, any if, or, yeah, we'll be lucky if we get any. But Chris Richardson, the guy, defensive coordinator for the Seahawks, pretty much single-handedly responsible for forming the Legion of Boom. You know, how cool would it be to have him here? And, And what kind of damage could he do? Because, you know, you bring in a guy like that, Seattle been an elite defense for many years. You know, what could he do with the talent that the Bucks already have? Well, I think, you know, I mean, the, the Bucks. I mean, Mike Smith definitely hasn't helped out. I, I will defend Mike Smith a bit here. Um, because there's not much talent pass rushing wise. Um, and every defense is better with a pass rush. Um, so Chris Richard, I mean... He's a good coordinator, no no doubt. Um, I think he's better than Mike Smith, but I'm not sure how much of a difference you would see right away, at least. And until the Buccaneers can get those pass rushers, um, you know, I mean, you know, Richard had 
Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett in Seattle. You know, and both of them guys were in their prime. I know there's been a lot of talk of Bucks fans because Bennett doesn't think he's going to be back and stuff and bring Bennett back. We'll see. I mean, you know, he's 32. It might be like the same thing about like Robert Ayers. I mean, we, we will see. He wouldn't be a bad rotational lineman, I guess, if we can get it for the right price. Um, but, it, you know, they need defensive ends, and not much is going to change until they get those defensive ends. So do I think the defense would be a bit better? Yes, but how, like, drastic improvement? No. I don't think so at all. Um, so there's not really many. I know you said something about uh, me pointing out some, some D coordinators or even O coordinators that I liked. Um, there's not really much. Um, not many out there right now that, that come to mind. Jack Del Rio has been thrown around to me. Uh, I don't think, obviously, he's not. I don't think he's coming. Um, because I think that would actually be a threat to Dirk Cutter. I mean, if Dirk Cutter, if the defense performs well, but the offense doesn't, and Dirk goes 6-10, and 10, the Glazers might be tempted to fire Cutter and replace Cutter with Del Rio, just like they did with Lovey Smith. Fire Lovey Smith and replace him with the coordinator. So um, we, we will see. Obviously, I probably a 95% chance Mike Smith's back and this whole staff's back, I would say. Uh, but, you know, it's always a possibility it's going to be thrown around until they start winning. Like I said, that's got to be the theme of this episode. When you start winning, good things, you know, when you start winning, winning cures everything. That's oh, yeah. the bottom line. Oh, yeah. But let's talk about the buck of the year segment, moving on from free agency, moving on from the coordinators, all the pros and cons, you know, the situation that we're in now. Let's Let's look ahead and let's look at the greatest thing to come out of the year. And that is the best guy on the roster, head and shoulder. I, I mean, it wasn't even close. Doug Martin? We, we, <laughs> what? We opened well, up no, the voting. I, I thought you told me Doug Martin. Okay, wow. I'm we, being thrown a curveball here, guys. <laughs> we, had, uh, we opened up the voting a couple days ago on the Instagram who you know, had the people vote uh, for the buck of the I year. I know who it is. I know who it is. For the buck of the year. And Chris is it Conte, Nick Hulk? Nick Folk, 30 votes. <laughs> no votes for anyone else. Nick Folk was able to nail that, but your winner for Buck of the Year, and like I said, guys, it wasn't even close. 30 comments, every single one, said big number 54, Levante David. Hell of a year and probably the best year of his career. And, mm-hmm. you know, with that being the first year that he's missed games because of injury, he bounced back and had a hell of a year. Hats off to Levante, but how much good can this guy do for this team? I, I mean, let's... Let's talk about how good he is for a good five or ten minutes here. Levante David, your buck of the year. You know, let's break it yeah. down, man. Yeah, I mean, you told me, you know, James Winston got one honorable mention. Other than that, yeah, you know, Levante David was it, and he deserves it. Um, I mean, he, he he was absolutely an animal this year. The only thing I, I wish what could have happened, I wish he could have got to the quarterback more. Last year he had five sacks. This year he had no sacks at all. Um you know, they did blitz him a bit, but he just didn't get home this year. And, you know, and but he did it all, especially the the fumble, uh, forced fumbles, for you know, fumble recoveries. I believe he had five, um, along with I believe he might have had one interception, maybe, maybe maybe one. Can't wait, really, can't really remember, but it, he might have had one. I don't I actually don't think so. Now that I think about it, but his four, you know, the fumbles that he that he caused were just they were very good. Oh, yeah. Game to find. Um, no, it was at big times during the games. Yeah, yeah, big times during the games. And he he was clutch. He was definitely clutch. But, um, 
Yeah. I, the, the, the problem with this is, with him having such a good year, is he is like 28 now or so, and the clock's ticking. Um, because the best years, it's coming up to where the best years are going to be behind Levante David. Um, the clock's ticking. This is probably Gerald McCoy's last very good year. I'm going to say this year, 2018, is probably going to be Gerald McCoy's last very good year. After years after that, he'll be good. He's a good football player. He's a very good football player. But as far as like, you don't think he'll be a first ballot Pro Bowler? No, I not after. I think 2018 will probably be his last one for a little bit. Um, like I said, I think he'll be a very uh, he'll be a good player, but not a, a dominant player uh, as he has been. And how about the fight he's shown this year um, with the torn biceps and all, and the you know the Detroit game to be able to play in Carolina versus the Saints? That that showed heart. Uh, a lot of people question McCoy's heart and drive, but then I don't. Um, I, I, I think he, he did a good job of shutting everybody up this year. I, I gotta yeah. say, I gotta say, he changed my mind. You know, before I was kind of on the train of I, I liked him, but I hadn't seen where he had come up big and saved us in a couple of games. And honestly, I, I really haven't, except for a few instances here and there. But the fact that he came out and again played two games with a torn bicep, you know, he is the heart and soul of that defense. He might not be the defensive captain that everybody wants him to be looking at Quan Alexander or Levante David. But, you know, the guy goes out there and does his job and does it exceptionally well. But coming on back to our player of the year, Levante David, let's take a look and let's recap his year and just break this all down. The exclamation point on linebacker Levante David's 2017 season is the multiple force fumbles and the fumble recoveries he had this season. Five of each. David's five force fumbles tied for the second most by any player this year in the NFL. His five fumble recoveries led the league. His 11 career fumble recoveries are the second most in team history behind only Rondé Barber. All in all, David's forced fumbles and fumble recoveries led to a total of 27 points this season for the Buccaneers. The team scored three touchdowns and two field goals off the turnovers that number 54 played a role in. David also led the Buccaneer defense with 101 combined tackles, 76 of which were solo. It's worth noting that these numbers came over the course of 14 games. David missed two weeks with an ankle injury before returning in week six with a bang. The guy did great things this year and no doubt deserves to be the Cannon Fire Podcast Buck of the Year. So thank you to everyone who voted. Like I said, a landslide. Hopefully we can get a different name next year. I would love to see this guy produce, but 30 votes, all for Levante David. Again, one honorable mention for Jameis Winston, but Levante David, king of the Bucks, king of the South right now. <laughs> Uh, I I think you're gonna see a couple, a uh, couple different names. I hope Quan bounces back next year because uh, yeah, as great of a player he, as he is, he he didn't have he didn't have a very Quan year this year, if you know what I mean. He, you know, the injury hurt him. Um, the 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 hamstring injury after the Chicago game, he ended up missing the Minnesota game. He ended up missing the. New York Giants game, he ended up missing the Patriots game, he ended up missing the Cardinals game, and finally returned for the Bills game. That definitely hurt him. Uh, but overall, Quan, the second half of the season, had a really good year. The first half was a bit shaky. Buffalo game and Carolina game, he kind of got his mojo back. Um, New York Jets game was okay. I believe he had a sack or two. Um, and then, you know, Miami game, he had a pick. Uh, had a couple nice plays in that game. Um, you know, then he had um, 
He had a pick in in Carolina on Christmas Eve. So, I mean, he got better as the year went on. But I, I do expect a big year of Quan Alexander. I also expect a big year of O.J. Howard. Um, I think he's going to be a candidate for Buck of the Year next year. Oh, yeah. O.J. Howard actually definitely slept on this year. Pro Football Focus ended up giving oh. him <laughs> the worst ranking out of all the 2017 rookies. But... Let me defend this really quick. Obviously, everyone can point their fingers and say Pro Football Focus are a bunch of nerds, but you know they gave him a low rating. But let's take a look back and and try to justify the situation and make some sense of it before we shut off the show here. OJ Howard had a productive year as a receiving tight mm-hmm. end. Yeah. But the thing with these ratings in Pro Football Focus and the way they rate players isn't by the big plays that they make and the receptions. It's every single snap. You look at O.J. Howard and the production he has here. Again, hell of a year for a rookie tight end, putting up great numbers. But the Buccaneers asked him to block a lot. And breaking down every single snap, breaking down the film, and looking at O.J. Howard for every snap in every game definitely wasn't the best rating when it comes to helping him out. And people can look at John Ross, a situation where he only played a handful of games. I think it was, what, 16 snaps this year? Only played uh, a handful yeah. of games. Yeah. Barely yeah, played yeah, at all. Yeah. And he finished with a higher rating. But looking at the yeah. system and the way they have it set up is that he was more productive as a receiver in the snaps that he played. And that's no, just... Uh, Randy right, didn't have a catch. He didn't have a catch at all? No. I don't I don't understand why pro... Why pro... pro, pro. Pro man, if I can speak. PFF. Why pro? Yeah, PF. There we go. PFF. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't understand. He he didn't have a catch. Did, no catches. He was a healthy scratch. Healthy, healthy scratch. That's what you do when you're about to cut a player. Not freaking your rookie. You, you picked ninth overall. I'm sorry, but I get their their system and all. There's no way that John Ross should be rated ahead of O.J. Howard, and also Patrick Mahomes. You came in for one game with the Chiefs. Why are you ahead of O.J. Howard? Then I got to take back what I said. But, I I mean, I hope it does kind of justify it, because it justified it for me. Obviously, I don't think that O.J. Howard had a worse year than those two guys. But it did help me make a little bit of sense over it and and not get as mad as a lot of people are getting. I want to see the rating Chris Godwin got. I'd like them to release them ratings. Definitely, man. Chris Godwin, hell of a player this year. Hell he's gonna be. I I don't see. He's gonna be. Oh my god, he's gonna be good. Oh, he's he, gonna be the, so good. The Buck, in in about three four years, the Bucks could legitimately have probably two number one receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, obviously, in three four years, Deshaun Jackson won't be here. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, guess what? Fans will be here uh, this upcoming season. I fully expect them to. I believe the Bucks do as well. I believe Jackson does. Um, so, yeah, he'll be back. Uh, and and one last thing we'll talk about, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, there was a recent video of him smoking weed that was released. I believe it was on Twitter. And we're going to just – we're going to shut that down right now. That was not Deshaun Jackson. If you think yeah. that was Deshaun Jackson and you watch the video and you're convinced that that was Deshaun Jackson, you might need to get I, your head yeah. examined. I want you to go on the computer and have that, have that video on your phone. Go on the computer search up a picture of Deshaun Jackson, just his face, and put your phone screen right next to the computer screen, and you tell me how that looks like Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> Definitely not Deshaun Jackson. So we're here to – we're just going to shut that shit down right now. The rumors are false. That is not Deshaun Jackson. He is going to get no penalty. 
Um, However, let's just James focus on the offseason, man. James Winston might. We, you know, that's going to be another component of the offseason. This whole investigation thing. And that's it's still it's still there. It didn't just go away. Yeah, and that's something that we're definitely going to have to talk about on another episode. Uh, really quick, you know, the offseason does bring a lot less news, as you guys are fully aware. Um, it was actually a gap of a couple of weeks between the last episode of the Cannon Fire podcast and this one here. I think it was two weeks as opposed to one. It's going to be – the schedule is going to be up in the air for right now. You know, I'm dealing with work. There's not a lot of news going around. Going to try and push out an episode, I think, once every two weeks is a, is a solid number, you know, if we do have any developments come up. Uh, but there, something to get excited about is there actually is going to be a lot more fan involvement over the offseason. As we've talked about before, uh, possibly having some fans come onto the show because I know people have brought it up before and don't want anybody to think that we forgot about them. Definitely going to have some fans on for the offseason. But don't expect too much. <laughs> don't expect five star quality. Expect like three and a half for the next. <laughs> yeah. Three well, or four I mean, months. until un, well, until free agency starts to eat up, and then uh, the draft. Um, you know, we we might do we might do something special for the draft. Who knows? Um, maybe we'll maybe we'll live stream during the second or third round or something. Who knows? Oh, we'll live stream through all um, of it. Shit, we'll live stream opening night, second, third round. Be a good one. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, you know, we got, we got some stuff coming up, but yeah, these next, these next few weeks, um, are going to be kind of slow. You know, like I said, guys, we were, I was talking with Rhett and, um, we decided that pretty much every two weeks would be good. Um, that way, you know, there's always going to be rumors out there, but you know, one rumor comes every three, four days. So, you know, to, to gather up those rumors, um, until free, once free agency starts to heat up, we might go once a week. Um, probably for like, you know, like two weeks straight, we'll do a f- to free agency things, probably like the week before free agency and the week of free agency. Um, we'll probably do it, you know, back to back then, but, um, then the draft, it'll be a lot of coverage. We'll have a couple, we'll have a couple guests on this off season as well. Uh, plan on getting more guests. So, uh, it's going to be a fun ride guys. Hope you stick with us. And, uh, I just want to say thank you for a great 2017. Um, I know, I know Rhett pretty much said it, but I never did to you guys. So, um, thank you. Uh, th- I want to thank all the fans for Bucks football as well. Um, it, it's an amazing year. Um, we got to 16K this year. Uh, I hope we get to 17. I hope we get to 18 by the end of 2018. So, oh yeah. Uh, let, let, let's hope uh, it all goes well. And um, big things are on the horizon. That's all I can. That's all I can tell you guys. I uh, I received uh, some things. Um, some some talks have gone on and. Some big things are planned to be happening. I can't really release them right now, but um, yeah, things are looking up. Definitely, guys. And that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who listened on YouTube and iTunes. Really quick before you go, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. Subscribe on YouTube at Cannon Fire Podcast. And subscribe on iTunes at Cannon Fire Podcast as well. And feel free to leave a five-star rating. It costs you nothing and means the world to us as we continue to be the best damn Bucks podcast this side of Tampa Bay. Evan, any last words, my man? Not really. I uh, just want uh, everybody to buckle up. You know, it's going to be it's gonna be an interesting offseason. Um, right now, you know, forget about Gruden, forget about Cutter or whatever. It's not about the coaches anymore. It's about the players that this team is going to bring in to help this team win games. That's what this is about. 
Um, we all have a reminder, guys. We all have one goal. I know the offseason, a lot of people get into arguments and stuff about who's good, who's not. We should draft this guy. We should draft that guy. Sign this guy. Sign that guy. Don't get too heated over it. You know, because at the end of the day, two things. One, it's a game. Okay. Um, it, you know, it, it is a business to these guys. Uh, we take it very seriously. I take it as a, I take it as a second job. You know, I mean, I take it as my only job right now. Uh, you know, is covering the Bucks for the fan page. But uh, at the end of the day, it is just a game. And also, the second thing is, we're we're also hardcore that we just want one thing, and that's the Lombardi Trophy. We have different views on how to get there. But reminder that we want one thing, and that's to win the Super Bowl. And I guarantee you, 95% of that locker room and every single one of those coaches want to win the Super Bowl. The players, they're getting paid millions of dollars. They're kind of sometimes divas or whatever. They don't really care about winning. The coaches, they have to because they know that the players get a longer leash than the coaches do. So the coaches definitely want to win the Super Bowl, and so do all of us fans. It's been a while. Um, John Gruden is not going to be this uh, Super Bowl winning head coach again in Tampa Bay. Um, it is what it is. Hopefully Dirk Cutter is. Hopefully this year, next time, we're talking about the Bucks playing tomorrow at 4 o'clock, you know, playing the playoff game. Hopefully. Exactly. But uh, until then, guys, uh, like I said, thanks a lot for a great 2017. Hoping for a great 2018. A lot of good content coming out Bucks football. Even good even more good content coming out on the Campfire Podcast, so be sure to look out. And guys, thank you so much for listening. That's going to wrap up the show this week. Hope you have a great rest of your week. Hope you stay tuned and follow the show. Big things are coming for the following year. Have a great rest of your week. Have a great rest of the year. Hope you guys live up to those uh, those resolutions. And we will see you next time. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.